morning and want you to look with me if you would in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 19, or Luke chapter 16 rather, Luke chapter 16 verse 19. We're going to read a little bit this morning, try and bring you a message this morning God has on the heart. Luke chapter 16 verse 19, the Bible says, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, and being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. That's a very grave passage of Scripture this morning, but I certainly want to try and bring you a message this morning called, Why You Don't Want to Go to Hell. Why You Don't Want to Go to Hell. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. God, I pray you help me, God, to preach this, Lord, the way that it needs to be preached, God, unworthy, Lord, to be even standing here this morning, God, unworthy, Lord, to represent you, but God, Lord, I thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ, thank you, Lord, for the blood, God, that washes away every sinful stain, God, Lord, and I pray that you'd help me, God, to preach, Lord, earnestly, preach with vigor, God, Lord, help me, God, to be able to concentrate and think clearly. Lord, I pray if there's somebody in here, Lord, that doesn't know yes, their Savior, God, I pray that you'd convict them, God. Lord, pray the Holy Ghost, Lord, would draw them to you, Lord, and I pray, God, help them to see, Lord, their condition before a holy God. Lord, help them to see, God, Lord, that you died for their sins. Lord, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Let me just say this morning, you don't want to go to hell. You, you don't want to go to hell. And uh, having said that, let me also say hell's a real place. It, it is a real place. I realize and I understand that there's men that are going to try their best to explain hell away, but if I thought that there was half a reasonable chance of me going to hell, I'd try to explain it away too. If I thought that there was a chance that I was going to hell, I'd try to put air conditioning there and put water fountains everywhere and make sure that it was as comfortable a place as could be. And that may be very well, that may be very well why Billy Graham said that all hell is is separation from God. And I got news for you. Hell is not separation from God. It's a lot worse than just separation from God. As a matter of fact, the psalmist said, he said, if I make my bed in hell, thou art there. So it's not a, it's not a place of separation from God. And the truth of the matter is, is that hell is mentioned all throughout the Bible. 
Not just in a couple of isolated passages. It's mentioned throughout all the Bible. It's mentioned directly, just for starters, just directly, by name, in some form or fashion. It's mentioned in the book of Numbers, Deuteronomy, 2 Samuel, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Amos, Jonah, Habakkuk, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Acts, James, 2 Peter, Revelation. So if hell is not a real place, then you've got a problem with the book that's sitting in your lap. And I fully understand the reason why people are trying to get rid of the old King James Bible, the old AV 1611. That stands for authorized version. The Bible says where the word of a king is, there's power. And that book that you have sitting in your lap this morning, if you got a King James version, was authorized by King James. Where the word of a king is, there's power. All these new versions has been authorized by committees, and there ain't no power with committees. Amen. There ain't no power with no counsel. The only time you see counsel show up in the Scripture in a positive sense is in Matthew chapter 5, where the Bible talks about in the millennial reign that a man's going to be condemned by a counsel if he says a certain thing. Other than that, counsels always have a negative connotation. So when you open up all these new Bibles, I can fully understand why all these new Bibles take Luke chapter 16 and they transliterate the word hell, leave it as Gehenna or Hades, that's so they don't upset the readership because half of the folks that's reading those Bibles ain't even saved to begin with. Come on, don't, don't, don't croak out on me now. I said God's honest truth. Uh, most of the folks that's messing around in these emergent churches is lost and on their way to hell. I'm not glad to say that. I'm not proud of that fact. I wish it wasn't so. But the reason that they're on their way to hell is because they got a limp-wristed, panty-wasted preacher standing up there who ain't willing to tell people, hey, there's a real hell and Jesus died for your sins and if you don't repent of your sins, you're going to go there. Hey, Amen. That's, that's the way that it is. That's the way that it is. Let me say this. All of God's preachers believed in hell. I, I couldn't give a rip what Joel Osteen believes. I don't care about what Benny Hinn believes. I care about what God's preachers believe. You know who believed in hell? Moses believed in hell. A whole lot better than Joel Osteen. David believed in hell. Solomon believed in hell. Isaiah and Jeremiah believed in hell. Simon Peter believed in hell. Supposed to be the founder of the Roman Catholic Church. He wasn't the founder of the Roman Catholic Church. He wasn't the founder of nothing. He's just a preacher, a good preacher, but he's just a preacher. He believed in hell. Paul the apostle believed in hell. The Bible says that the greatest prophet, Jesus Christ said the greatest prophet that ever lived was John the Baptist. And you know John the Baptist believed in hell. You want to be a good preacher, you've got to believe in hell. You've got to preach about hell. Amen. And last but not least, I tell you this, Jesus Christ himself believed in hell. Amen. Yes, sir. You know, one of the Lord's most oft-quoted statements in the Scripture was in reference to hell. I don't know if you ever realized that or not, but Matthew chapter 8, verse 12, it says, There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 13, 42, there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 13, 50, there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 22, verse 13, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 24, 51, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 25, verse 30, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Luke 13, 28, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You get the picture? 
Jesus believed in it. You say, well, my preacher didn't never preached about hell. Then your preacher is slapped dead wrong. He's probably on his way. I said, God's honest truth. I'm not happy about that. I really don't want you to think that I'm happy about people going to hell. But just because you've got a preacher that tries to explain it away or just because you've got a grandma or a mama who said that they didn't believe in it, we couldn't give a rip. The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. Yeah. Somebody say something in direct contradiction to what God said or what the Lord Jesus Christ said, all we can look at them and say is they're liars. They're just liars. That's all there is to it. Amen. Unfortunately, some of them standing behind pulpits. Hell's a real place. You know, of all the subjects that Jesus Christ preached and taught and expounded on, you know what the most common of them was? Hell. Yes, sir. You go through and you read the Gospels and you find Jesus Christ preaching on, more often on hell than you will find him preaching on anything else. You know, for all the folks that say they don't believe in hell, it really is funny. It, it really is funny that when they want to condemn something or when they want to curse something, they say, what the? Yeah. I thought you didn't believe in it. Yeah. Well, if it's not real, then I mean, you know, what you, what you using it as a slang term to put something under condemnation for? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sounds to me like there's a lot more to the subject of hell than you want to give credit to. Right. Let me just say this morning, you don't want to go to hell. You don't want to go to hell. You say, why? Why is it that I don't want to go to hell? I'm so glad you asked. Let me give you a couple of reasons this morning. You don't want to go to hell because, first of all, when you go, you're going to find out, you're going to know that you're there. There are going to be no doubts about it. There's going to be no doubts about it. You know, for all the doubts in your mind right now and for all the skepticism that you have sitting in here this morning wondering about whether hell's a real place when you get there, all that skepticism is going to be moved away. You know, all the coldness and the apathy that we have as Christians, all that stuff is going to be moved away when we stand at the great white throne of judgment and watch people being thrown into hell left and right, being thrown into the lake of fire and hear the screams that's coming out of that place. You talk about something that will rattle folks. Yes, sir. You say, well, I thought that the Bible said in the book of Re Revelation that all tears is going to be wiped away from all eyes. They are after the great, great white throne going to be a lot of tears being shed at the great white throne. A lot of families going to be parted. A lot of church folks going to be parted. Never more to be re reunited. You're going to know when you get there. You're going to know when you get there. Let me point out this morning here in Luke chapter 16, the Bible says in verse 23, in hell, Rich man, he's speaking about, in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off. You know, this rich man can see in hell. You know, a man's got the ability to see down in hell, and yet he can't see nothing. The Bible says that there's no light down there. It's a dark place. When you get thrown into hell, you're thrown out into a place the Bible calls of outer darkness. There ain't nothing down there that you can see. Yes, sir. Verse 24, the Bible said, he cried. Rich man cried and said, Father Abraham, he can talk. He can talk, he can speak. Verse 24, it said, he said, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. Rich man can taste. See, this fellow didn't go to a place to where all life ceases. He didn't just go to a place to where things just cease to be and his soul went to sleep. He goes to a place, people that are lost and on their way to hell, people that are lost without hope and without God, they go to a place where they have all the same senses that they have right now. 
You can see and you can hear and you can speak and you can taste and you can feel. You have all those things when you die and go to hell. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Matthew uh, verse 25, when he gets in there, Abraham talks back to him. He can hear very well. He can hear very well. Verse 25, Abraham looks at him and says, son, remember. Remember, one of the worst things that I can imagine from a man being in hell, one of the worst things that I can imagine is the fact that he can remember everything. Hey, you remember, you know the Bible says when a man, when we die and go to heaven and then all of this stuff that we had up on this chart takes place, second advent, millennial reign, great white throne of judgment takes place. He said there's going to come a point to where he's going to wipe all the tears away from their eyes. And he said the former things are not going to be remembered. It's not so for a man that dies and goes to hell. Listen, for the rest of eternity, you go to hell. Listen, for the rest of eternity, you're going to spend eternity burning in an eternal flame, feeling the wrath of God. And listen to me. The thing that's going to haunt you the most is the fact that you're going to remember that you were sitting in a Baptist church on May 1st, 2022 with a preacher standing up, some skinny country preacher preaching to you and telling you that you could trust Jesus as your Savior and avoid it, and you turned it down. You're going to live with that for the rest of eternity, not for the rest of your life, for the rest of eternity. You say, how long is that? Just as long as God lives, that's how long you're going to live with it. He can remember. He can remember. Verse 27, he said, then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. You know what else he can do? He can reason. You know, one of the gifts that man has as far as him being made in his natural estate is the fact that he can sit and think about things logically and he can reason things out. And you know, when a fellow gets to hell, that's going to be one of the greatest curses he's ever going to have is the ability to be in hell, suffering in eternal hell fire and sit there and reason that thing out. If I'd have just listened, 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 no relief. Listen, you go to hell this morning. If you walk out of here and you get in your car and go down the road, listen, the Bible says, what's your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and vanisheth away. And I believe with all my heart, Brother Tommy, that speaks to the brevity of life. But I also believe it speaks to the fragility of life. It speaks to the fact that life is so fragile. All it takes for you to get into a car this morning and get out here on Highway 40, pull out in front of a big log truck, go out and meet God in eternity, never more, no more chances, no more reset button. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And listen, you die in your sins and go to hell, you'll be in a place where everybody's crying out for one drop of water. Everybody's crying out for the mercy of God all in one shot. I don't know if you've ever heard a grown man cry and scream like a little girl. I don't know if you've ever heard a fellow do that. I have. I've worked in a prison out here down the road not too, uh, not too far from here and worked out there, I forget how long it was, maybe about eight years. But I've seen them fellows get put in segregation because they was going crazy. I've seen them fellows standing in, in, in the seg unit because they deemed them mentally unfit and they were standing on a chair in the corner screaming and hollering because they could see things on the floor that nobody else could see, worried to death that they was going to get him. Walk in the shoe, walk down there into the restrictive housing unit, and they got, you know, they got, it looks like a big T is what it looks like. It looks like an L with an extra leg on it. And you go down there, they do that so none of them inmates can see each other except the boys that are across the hall from one another. And you go down in there, and as soon as you open that door, here's some fella down there. They got him strapped down because they can't control him, and he's screaming like a little schoolgirl. Boy, you'll talk about something that you won't never forget. 
Some of you, I, I, I've never seen it before, but I've been told of the fact that some folks who watch people uh, have to respond to situations to where people die. People get killed, get murdered, get in accidents, and go and walk up on them and see the look of sheer horror on their face. And that ain't natural. Something ain't right about that. So all hell ain't real. You'll find out. Listen, I'm telling you, you're going to find out. If you don't believe it now, for all the doubts you got now, you're going to find out. And listen, what you're going to find out is when you really do have all your doubts washed away, when you do have all your skepticism removed, it's going to be too late. It's going to be too late. It's going to be too late. Listen, you don't want to go to hell because, first of all, you'll know when you get there. And second of all, as soon as you did, the decision's final. It's over. It's over. 16, Luke chapter 16, verse 22, it said, It came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Boy, one of the things that we hate about death, one of the things that we hate about death is that it seems so final. And there's no way to undo that. I know folks in here, you, you know just as well as I do, you've buried loved ones and you've buried family members and you've buried dear close friends. And boy, one of the things that bothers you, even as a Christian, even as a Christian, knowing that you're going to see them again someday, one of the things that bothers you is, boy, the separation that takes place and just the, the, the distance, the, the inability to be able to talk to them, the inability to be able to fellowship with them, so it seems so final. We looked this morning in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and it said, We sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Listen, the only hope that a, that a man has in this life of ever seeing his loved ones again is being saved. That's the only hope that he ever has. And boy, but even still, even in the face of that, boy, there's something about death that just reach out there and take a hold of you. Take a hold of your heart, boy, just discourage you and mess you all up. Listen, once you die, it's over. It's over. Whatever decision you made with Jesus Christ, whatever decision you ever made as far as what to do with Jesus, that's the decision you're going to stick with for the rest of your life. The Bible said here in Luke chapter 16, it said, It came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by angels into, into, the, into Abraham's bosom. I don't know if you've ever fallen down. Of course, the older you get, I hear that that's a lot more likely to happen. But you fall down and you ever reach your hand out and somebody takes your hand and pulls you up. You ever had that happen? You know what that is? That's voluntary. When you're down in a place and you got to get to a place to where you got to get up, somebody reaches their hand down and takes a hold of you and pulls you up. Man, it's such a relief, man. It's, so, it's, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful thing. Well, that's how the Lazarus died. That's how that old beggar died. When he died, the Bible said the angels were already standing there waiting to escort him over into Abraham's bosom. The Bible said somebody else died too, that rich man. He died. And you know what? There was nobody there to escort him. There's nobody there to convey him over Jordan's stormy banks. You say, oh, you're just talking, Brother Nathan. Well, the book of Job, chapter 27, verse 19 says, The rich man shall lie down, but he shall not be gathered. He openeth his eyes, and he is not. Terrors take hold on him as waters. A tempest stealeth him away in the night. The east wind carrieth him away, and he departeth. And as a storm hurleth him out of his place, for God shall cast upon him and not spare. He would fain flee out of his hand. Men shall clap their hands out of him, and shall they shall clap their hands at him and shall hiss him out of his place. Listen, if you die in here this morning, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. It's a hopeless lot. 
nobody going to be there to reach out their hand and escort you over onto Jordan's stormy banks. There ain't going to be nobody there to convey you over to see old sainted grandmother. You say, what's going to happen? About five seconds after you die, if it takes that long, all of a sudden you're going to feel what seems like a gravitational pull pulling you down to the heart of this earth. Amen. And there ain't going to be nothing you're going to be able to do about it. All of a sudden, you're going to begin to slip. You're going to have what you estimate to be an out-of-the-body experience. And all of a sudden, you're going to start going down and down. And you're going to go through the floor. And you're going to go through the dirt. And you're going to go through the first layer of the earth and the second layer of the earth. And before too long, you're going to start feeling some heat. I said, you're going to start feeling it. You're going to start feeling some heat. Before too long, you're going to start hearing the, the cries of the, of the already deceased, the, the cries of the already dead from the charred walls of hell. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, know, I know that's really hard for some of us to understand because we got our brains too filled with the walking dead. Yeah. And we got our brains too filled with all the politics and everything else that's going on. But let me just tell you something, my friend. This stuff is real. Yeah. You can play church and you can play religion and you can play God, but you can't play death and you can't play hell. Once you get to that place, it's over. It's over. There are no redos. There are no reset buttons. It's over. It's, as, it's more real than the uh, flesh on your bones this morning. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, there's ever, when you go to hell, it's final. You ain't never getting out except for one time. There'll be one time when you get out. You say, where is that? Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 through 15. Bible says, I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small, and great stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Hell's a place of no hope. It's a place of no hope. Once you go, you're never getting out except for that one instance to go out and have your life judged, to go out and figure out whether or not your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. And listen, God's not confused about that. God knows. God knows. But he's going to give you a fair trial. He's going to give you your, your chance to speak your peace. Let me tell you something. Before you die and get, before you get cast in the lake of fire, the Bible says in Philippians chapter, Philippians chapter 2, that unwillingness that you had while you was here to bow the knee and say, Jesus Christ is the Lord, you're going to do it on that day. Amen. That day before you get cast off into a lake of fire, you're going to bow the knee and you're going to say, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And then you're going to go off to your rightful place as far as God is and God's book is concerned. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. When you did, your decision's final. Jonah chapter 2, the Bible says, I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Job chapter 17, verse 16 said, They shall go down to the bars of the pit when our rest together is in the dust. When some people get laid to rest, they don't just get laid to rest, so to speak. They go down to a place that has bars. You say, where is that? The bottoms of the mountains. Bible, we're going to read a verse here. I'm going to read a verse here in just a second out of the book of Isaiah. It says, hell beneath thee, from beneath thee is moved to meet thee at thy coming. Hell's a real place. You say, where is it at? Under your feet right now. 
All those people that died without God, they're in there right now. Rich man right there right now. Still crying out for one drop of water. Never going to get no relief. Revelation chapter 9 verse 1, the fifth angel sounded, the Bible said, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. It's a place that has gates. It's a place that has a it's a place that has bars. It's a place that has a lock on it. Somebody's got to have a key to unlock and let some things out in the book of Revelation. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus Christ told the, uh, Peter, the apostle Peter, his disciple, he said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Gates, gates, gates. You say, oh, you really believe all that stuff? Sure do. It's a whole lot better than believing Lord of the Rings. Sure is a whole lot better than believing Star Wars and Luke Skywalker. Sure is a whole lot better than believing all this reality TV that there ain't nothing real about. I'm telling you what I'm telling you about this morning. It's more real than the stuff that you're looking at sitting right in front of you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let me say third of all, you don't want to go to hell because of who you're going to be there with. Yes, sir. Luke chapter 16, verse 19, right here in the text, it says there was a certain rich man. There's a certain rich man. You know who's in hell? Everybody who's rejected Jesus Christ, regardless of how much money they make. Amen. You know, God don't have a place for rich people who rejected Jesus. And then a different place for poor people who rejected Jesus. And a place for middle class people that rejected Jesus. God don't have no place for white people that rejected Jesus Christ and black people that rejected Jesus Christ. God don't have no place for churchgoers that rejected Jesus and people that never darkened the, the door of a church who rejected Jesus. You say, where do they go? They all go to the same place. They all go to the same place. The Bible says in the book of Revelation, verse 20, it says, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Revelation 21, verse 8, But the fearful and the unbelieving, is that you? The fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters. By the way, that that's Harry Potter. Whether you like that or not, that's, that's the likes of Harry Potter messing around with witchcraft. That's the likes of folks that mess around with Ouija boards and astrology. Amen. Might even be some folks that mess around with the Mason's Lodge. Yes, sir. Amen. 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 I said, God's on truth. You say, what is that? That's a bunch of witchcraft. We'll preach a sermon on that. You come back and we'll preach a sermon on that. Try and help you get out of that mess if you're involved in that foolishness. But they're sorcerers, they're idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire, which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. God, don't segregate people. Well, you know, I lived a better life than so-and-so. No, sir, God, don't segregate folks in hell. He puts them all in the same place. Yes, sir. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 9. Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. It stirreth up the dead for thee, even all the chief ones of the earth. It hath raised up, it, it hath raised up their thrones, all the kings of the nations, and they shall speak and shall say unto thee, Art thou also become weak as we? Art thou become like unto us? You know, there ain't no strong people in hell. 
There ain't no strong folks in hell. You know all these idiots that walk around and say, I'm going to go to hell and take over? All that's going to be done away with the first five seconds they're there. Oh, I'm going to go to hell and I'm going to take over. You ain't going to take over nothing. You can't even tell your wife to shut her mouth. You ain't going to take over nothing. You ain't got enough character. You ain't got enough character to do right and abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. You ain't going to take over nothing. As soon as you get there, all your strength is going to be done away. You know who Isaiah chapter 14 is talking about? He's talking about the most majestic being outside of God and outside of Michael the archangel that there ever has been in this universe. Talking about the devil. Listen, if God set up a situation to torment a being like the devil, don't you think that you're going to go to hell and take over? You've, you've lost your ever-loving mind. You've lost your ever-loving mind. No strong men in hell. Let me say this. There's no dignity in hell. There's no dignitaries in hell. You've got some highfalutin position right here on this earth and politics right now. Let me just tell you something. When you get to hell, all that's going to be done away with. It ain't going to amount to a hill of beans. It ain't going to matter nothing. Yes, sir, it ain't going to matter nothing. Well, I led a great college. So? You ain't going to lead no college in hell. Yes, sir. Well, I was a policeman. What? So? You ain't going to be pulling nobody over in hell. Well, I was a doctor. I was a lawyer. So? None of that stuff matters in hell. None of that stuff matters at all. Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, the Bible said, Jesus Christ speaking, then shall he say also, Unto them on the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Not made to torment just human beings. Made to torment angelic beings. Listen, one angel goes out, and I believe it's Second Kings, under the reign of Hezekiah. Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against Israel, and he began to taunt the children of Israel and said, you're trusting in the wrong God. He's not going to deliver you. Hezekiah got down on his knees, and God dispatched an angel. He dispatched an angel. He dispatched an angel, and that angel in one, 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 one single night took out 185,000 men, and that is the kind of people, those are the kind of beings that hell was designed to torment. Don't you tell me that you're going to get to hell and do anything anything other than fry like a French fry and be crying out for one drop of water. Don't tell me you're going to get to hell and take over nothing. You're going to be screaming. You're going to be screaming like you ain't net, like there ain't no tomorrow. Amen. Yes, sir. You're going to be, you're going to be hurting. You're going to be hurting, man. You're going to be hurting. Revelation chapter 20, verse 10, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever forever. I don't know if you can even fathom. I, I don't know that I could even fathom how long forever is. We talk about forever and about the only thing, about the only frame of reference that we have is 70 years. Because that's, that's what God allotted us. Some of you have relatives that God bless, their, God, God bless their soul, man. They've lived until 100 years old. Man, you go back and you read through the Bible and men were living 900 and some years. You look at the whole of man's history, and it's 6,000 years. Millennial reign is that Sabbath day of rest, that, sev that seventh final 1,000 years, that millennial rest. And you stop and think that once all of that stuff is done, eternity begins. And the Bible said that those folks that are in hell to include the devil and his angels, to include the false prophet and the beast that rise up in the tribulation, they're going to burn forever and ever and ever and ever. And ever, you get out, there ain't no coming. You get in there, there ain't no coming back. There ain't no coming back. You ain't got no second chances. 
Let me say number four. Let me say number four. You don't want to go to hell because you're going to meet head on with the unbridled holiness and wrath of an eternal God. That's what this is all about. Listen, this is not about that God takes pleasure in tormenting people. This is not about God is happy and satisfied with seeing you suffer. Or see anybody. That's not what it's about. The Bible said in the book of Psalms, Jesus, the, the Lord speaking, he said, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. That's what he said. Second Peter, it might be First Peter, but I believe it's chapter 3. He said, the Lord is, Second Peter chapter 3, he said, the Lord is not slack, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. The Lord's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God, God's not looking for a chance to throw somebody in hell. You say, then why would he put people in hell? Because God's holy. God's holy. You're not. I'm not. We're not holy. God's holy. God's holy. And if there's one thing that you cannot afford to misunderstand about our God, it's that he's holy. You can't afford to get that wrong. You can't afford to get it wrong. And he's not going to tolerate sin in any capacity just because it makes you comfortable. Just because you enjoy it, just because you like it, just because you like sassing back to your mama and daddy, God can't put up with it. Just because you like to look at things that you ain't supposed to look at, God ain't going to put up with it. Just because you like to put things in your body that God said you're not supposed to put in there, God ain't going to put up with it. Just because it gives you a high old time and just because it makes you comfortable and just because it makes you happy and then you're going to turn around and say, God's a God of love. He wouldn't ever put any of his children in hell. I got news for you, my friend. We are not all the children of God. Jesus Christ said in John chapter 8, ye are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father. He will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and he abode not in the truth because the truth was not in him. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's a God's honest truth. God's not looking for an opportunity to put you in hell, but I'm telling you, you're a sinner. The Bible said in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 3, Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil and canst not look on iniquity. God can't even see it. He can't even look at it. The Bible says in one hand, it says the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. And then on the other hand, it says the eyes. He said, thou art of pure eyes than to behold evil and canst not look on anything. How do you account for that? How do you account for that, Brother Tommy? Here's a holy God who can't even look at wickedness. And yet it says in Proverbs 15, 3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and good. I'll tell you how you account for it. Zechariah, the book of Zechariah, you go through there and you find out that there's some spiritual beings that are called the eyes of the Lord. And what they do is they go out and they perform reconnaissance missions, if you will. And they go out and they see what men are doing in the secret chambers of their own mind. They see what men are doing in the secret chambers of their own house. And they report back to the Lord and say, it ain't good. You say, where do you get something cockeyed like that? Well, you know, every time the Lord got ready to destroy a city, you know what he does? What he does? He always sends out some people called watchers. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. He saw this big tree, and all of a sudden there was this heavenly being, this being that came down from heaven, and the Bible calls him a watcher. And that watcher stands out there, and he says, hew down the tree. He comes, and he tells Daniel, and Daniel says, oh, man. He said, you're that tree. He said, they're getting ready to hew you down. And it wasn't very long. Nebuchadnezzar's wandering around, around out in the field behind the palace like an ox eating grass, and his hair's grown long like eagle's feathers, and he's got claws like bird's claws. Before God went through and he burned Sodom and Gomorrah to the ground, he goes by and he pays a little visit to a man named Abraham who was the friend of God. There's three people in that visit. 
one of them was the Lord. Who's those other two people? Well, you go and you look in Genesis, I believe it's chapter 19, where Sodom gets burned to the ground and these two fellows come in. You say, who are they? The Bible pl plainly tells you they're angels. You say, what are they doing? They're coming down there to look. They're coming down there to see. Listen, when God wants to find something out about you, when God wants to find out what kind of devilment you, you've been in, God is so holy that he himself cannot look at the devilment that you're involved in. He got to send somebody else out to look at it and come back and tell him what's going on. That's how holy our God is. That's how clean our God is. You can't afford to get that wrong. You can't afford to get that wrong. Job chapter 10 verse 14, if I sin... Job said, then thou markest me, and thou wilt not acquit me from mine iniquity. When the holiness of God meets head on with sin, there's a violent reaction that takes place. You know what that is? That's called the wrath of God. You ever taken some baking soda and some vinegar? I know you've done this somewhere in your life, if not anywhere else in high school. You take that baking soda and put it in a little cup, and then you take some vinegar and pour it in there. You know what that thing does? It produces a gas. That thing bubbles up, and it overflows that cup if you put too much in there. You say, what is it? That's a chemical reaction. That's a good picture of the wrath of God. That's a good picture of the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man trying to mix together. You say, what happens? God begins to get wrathful. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's the wrath of God. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 22, it says, For a fire is kindled in my anger and shall burn unto the lowest hell and shall consume the earth with her increase and set on fire the foundations of the mountain. God is so mad at sin. Listen to me. God's so mad at sin and God is so mad at sinners that there's going to come a day after the millennial reign of Christ that the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3 that the, that the heavens and the earth are going to wax with a fervent heat. God's going to burn the whole thing up and make something totally new, make something totally that hasn't ever been here before. Isaiah chapter 66, I believe it is, he says, Behold, I make a new heavens and a new earth. You say, what's that all from? Wrath of God. God can't, God can't deal with sin. You say, then how could Jesus Christ, being God manifest in the flesh, how could he deal with sinful men walking around here on the earth? One way, grace. That's it. One way. It's just the grace of God. It's the grace of God. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, it says, Wherefore, we receive in a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Oh, hell's just separation from God. No, my friend, God is the one that's fueling the fires of hell. Yes, sir. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 28, He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall ye be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite under the Spirit of grace. Listen, let me say this to you. Let me, say, let me say this to you in modern terms, exactly what Hebrews chapter 10, verse 28 and 29 said. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be unkind. I take no pleasure in what I'm saying. But it's true. If you die without Christ, if you die knowing that Jesus Christ died for your sins, knowing that he 
paid it all. If you reject that and take your chances of having your righteousness stand up against the righteousness of Jesus Christ and you die and go to hell, you deserve every bit of what you're getting. Amen. And listen, listen. I'm not saying that to be bravado. I'm not saying that to be a jerk. I'm saying that because it's true. And listen, when you get there, you're going to know it's true. You're going to know it's true. You're going to know it's true. You're going to be burning for all eternity trying to reason out your mind. Why didn't I just listen? How could I get out of this place and yet in the back of your mind knowing for all eternity, man, I deserve to be here. I deserve to be here. Let me say this, number five. This is my last point. Listen to me. You don't want to go to hell because you don't have to. You don't have to go. Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. Jesus said, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. You know why you don't have to go? Somebody's already been there for you, and he's got the keys. He's got the keys. Listen, you know the reason that you're bound for hell this morning is because you're a sinner. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 10, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it's written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But you go down just a couple of verses later, and he says in verse 3, he said, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. You have violated the law of God, and because of that, you deserve to go to hell. You say, Brother, you say, Preacher, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. I've never really gotten to a whole lot of stuff. The Bible said, If you offend in one point, you've offended it all. James chapter 1. Amen. You're under the curse of God, you're under the wrath of God. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're under the curse of God. And listen. Jesus Christ went to Calvary and hung on an old rugged cross. He hung on a tree. And the Bible said, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. God took your sin. He took your iniquities. And he placed them on the Lord Jesus Christ according to Isaiah 53 so that you don't have to pay for them. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Listen, if you don't let Jesus Christ pay for those things, you'll have to pay for them. The Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. You say, what do I have to do to, to be under the wrath of God? Just be born. That's all you've got to do. Just be living. You say, what do I have to do to get out from underneath the wrath of God? Get born again. Jesus Christ went to the Garden of Gethsemane one late night. And he got down on his knees. He took Peter, James, and John with him. And like a bunch of good Baptists, they got real tired and they got real sleepy when it was time to pray. And the Bible said that Jesus withdrew from them. This is the night before he got crucified. Jesus withdrew from them about a stone's cast. And he got over there and he dropped down on his knees and he said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. You say, what, what cup is he talking about? Well, Revelation chapter 14 tells you that it's the wrath of God. It's the cup of God's wrath. Yes, sir, Jesus Christ was getting ready to drink that cup of God's wrath all the way down to the dregs, all the way down to the very bottom for your sake. The Bible says in Revelation 14 verse 10, the same, the same, 
the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels in the, and in the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they shall have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Jesus Christ went to Golgotha's hill, and you know what he did there? He didn't just hang on an old rugged cross. He didn't just hang on a tree. He took the wrath of God for you. He took the wrath of God for me. He drunk the cup of God's wrath all the way to the bottom. And listen, Jesus Christ did that for you. He did it for you. He did it for you. You say, what do I have to do, Brother Nathan? All you have to do is just accept that payment. A payment was made. The Bible says the soul that sinneth, it, it shall die. And listen, if you don't accept that payment, you know what the only other recourse for that is? You'll have to pay it. You say, how long will it take to pay it off? Well, I don't know, depending on how wicked of a life you've been living right now, which is wicked as far as God's concerned. I don't care who you are sitting in here this morning. I'm just telling you what God said. You're a wicked individual sitting in here this morning. You never trusted Christ as your Savior. Listen, you take all that and calculate up all the interest with it, and on top of the fact that God never dies, you're going to have to pay for it as long as God lives. But a man went to Calvary 2,000 years ago, and he paid for it in a matter of just a couple of days. The Bible said he died, and he descended into the lower parts of the earth. What's he going down there for? I'll tell you why. He's going down there to deposit the thing that when you die is going to drag you off down into there. It's your sin. It's your transgressions. Went over there and dropped those things off in hell. Bible said, Revelation chapter 1, we had done read it this morning. He went over there and grabbed the keys. Marches right out. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's all that, that's all you've got to, un, that's what you've got to understand. Listen, the reason that you're a hell-bound sinner this morning, because you're a sinner. But listen, Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. It's paid for this morning. All you got to do is trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You say, Brother Nathan, how do I do that? Do you know that you're a sinner? Do you know that Christ died for your sins? Why don't you find a place this morning and get down on your knees and call out and cry out to God and say, God, I know these things are true. I know I'm a sinner. I know you died for my sins. I want you to save me. The Bible said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He said in the book of Acts chapter 20, Paul said, the thing that I preached to you was repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You sinner, repent, believe salvation. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God spoke to you this morning. Why don't you come? Listen, if you're not saved in here this morning, why don't you, why don't you let me take a Bible and show you how you can know that your sins are forgiven? If it's not me, we'll get somebody else to take a Bible and show you how you can know that your sins are washed away. Simple, simplest thing that can be done. So simple, the Bible said a child can do it. He said, let the little children come unto me for such are the kingdom of heaven. Listen, Jesus Christ paid your sin debt. He paid your sin debt. If you reject that, you're going to have to pay it. Would you, let him, would you let him save your soul this morning? 
Call on God this morning, he'll save you. Father, Lord, pray that you bless this invitation. God, Lord, folks have responded. Lord, I, I pray, God, Lord, that you have your will and way. God, speak to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. While these tarry, why don't you come? If God's dealing with your heart, why don't you come? Why don't you come?